the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you today? You're listening to the Sunday edition of the St. Mark Bemidji Podcast, brought to you by Hot Ice Cream. Yes, it's ice cream that you can enjoy on a cold winter's day. Look for it in empty bowls after a birthday party or at the feet of small children in summer. Today's sermon is titled, Teaching with Authority, and it's based on a reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. We now join Pastor Zamzow for today's meditation. I'm going to remind us of the gospel reading that we read just a few moments ago. We'll go through it portion by portion today. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Kind of a confusing phrase, maybe. What does it mean that Jesus taught with authority? Did he use good illustrations? Was he a powerful speaker? Was uh, What was it that the, the people in the synagogue were awed by that particular day? Were there other teachers in that synagogue who just were kind of dry and boring? Maybe. What did it mean that Jesus taught with authority? See, no matter the quality of the preacher or the teacher, myself included, didn't matter the clarity of a teacher's thought or a preacher's taught uh, a preacher's thought or the guidance that they offered. There's one thing that any other preacher or teacher of the word lacks that Jesus has that none of us have. When Jesus sat down in that synagogue that day, and when he taught the people and those that were gathered there, he was not relying on what anybody else said about the text. He didn't have to go in beforehand and read and translate the words. He didn't need to study it in advance or dig through it. He didn't have to sit there like I do sometimes and read a, a portion of Scripture and say, I really wonder what that means. Or I really wonder what's going on there. And then I have to go dig through a bunch of commentaries or, or, or translate the Word and look up Greek and Hebrew lexicons and all those sorts of things and, and try to dig through it. Jesus doesn't have to do any of that. We see that Jesus does use on occasion His clever illustrations, his teaching in parables, but he doesn't have to. More often than not, he spoke clearly, he spoke precisely, plainly, to the point. 
Because when the Lord sat down in the synagogue that day and He opened up that scroll across His knees, the words written on it, while originally penned by the hand of another person, were His own. They were His words. He was there when they were written the first time. Mark doesn't specify the part of Scripture that Jesus was teaching from on this particular occasion, but it doesn't much matter. Jesus knew exactly the words, what the words meant. He knew their purpose. He knew why they were chosen. He knew the purpose for which they were chosen down to every last pen stroke. He taught, if he, if he was teaching, for example, from Genesis, he was the one that was there standing on the brink of eternity, speaking nothing into existence, calling everything into being. If he was teaching from one of Isaiah's prophecies or for, from any other one of the Old Testament prophets for that matter, he was showing that he was, being the, he was the one being spoken about. He was the one that the prophet was speaking about. Now, clarifying the Word of God, since the promised Messiah of God was sitting there in the flesh amongst them, you know, it would be like a best-selling author. Um, it would be different, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're looking at, a, a say, there's a best-selling poet or something like that, and, you know, you have an English teacher in a high school who's got, the, who's got the poem, and they're up there in front of the class, and they ask questions about the poem to the class. And they say, well, in, in the third stanza, in the poem, the curtains that the author says is speaking about are, are blue. Why do you think that the curtains were blue? Is it a sense of longing or melancholy that the curtains are blue? What if you brought the author into the room who wrote the poem? Hey, why'd you make the curtains blue? I don't know. Because the curtains are blue? It's like sitting down and, and picking the brain of the person that wrote it. This is Christ. This is Messiah sitting there expounding on, expanding on, cutting to the chase of every little bit that Scripture of what Scripture meant. He had an authority like none other. And if there were people sitting there in the synagogue that day that were filled with questions, He knew them before they were even asked. Well, what did that look like? Well, remember when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, for example, were sitting there and they thought that they could skirt around the meaning of the law thinking, well, I haven't exactly taken a spear or a knife and thrust it into somebody's body and killed them physically. So that must mean I'm good on the fifth commandment. Or, I haven't slept with somebody that's not my spouse physically so that must mean I'm good on the Sixth Commandment. What does Jesus say? You're missing the point. You hate somebody in your heart. It's the same as murder. You lust after somebody in your heart. It's the same as adultery. Sin begins here. Not in the action. This is something that those people had not heard, taught, and preached before. The Spirit of the law being revealed, exposing, revealing the heart as they had never ever heard it before. New teaching with authority. 
In Luke's Gospel, we hear Jesus on a similar occasion go, going into uh, a synagogue, unrolling the scroll, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And what does he say after that? He looks at the, the, the congregation sitting around him and he says, Today these scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. These are the scriptures that testify about me. He reveals the heart of the gospel. The reason that he was there, not to be their bread king, not to be their war leader, not to be their star politician, not to be their life coach, or their example to try to match up to. He was there to be their lamb. The lamb of God. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. The one that was prophesied all the way back in the book of Genesis. The one who would crush the serpent's head. Have his heel struck on account of it. That the sins of the world would not be placed symbolically upon him as it was for all the lambs and the goats and the temples throughout the centuries. But that the sin of the world would quite literally be laid across his shoulder. That it would be nailed to a cross with him that He had come to do, to reveal the heart of the law so that people would sit there and say, I have murdered. I have committed adultery. I have stolen. How can I do what God asks me to do? Jesus says, you may take one step forward, but you'll never, take, you'll never complete it on your own. You need a Savior. You need me. You need my perfect life. You need my innocent death. And even that, Jesus foretold in in Mark's Gospel alone, Jesus foretells His suffering, His death, and His resurrection three times. I'll be handed over by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They'll give me to the Romans. They'll kill me, but I'll rise again three days later. Spoke plainly, straight to the point. No clever stories or parables would illustrate that. He tells them exactly what they needed to hear. Here he tells it three times. And to show exactly what he was going to do. How he was going to be the Lamb of God. Precisely why he was there. He said it, he taught it, he preached it with unmatched authority. And even farther along than that, he did suffer. He did die. He did rise again. It came true. You know, when I think about it like this, and the authority that is God's Word, it's kind of insane that we have to wrestle internally with ourselves to form habits to pray or to read Scripture, or I'm not excluding myself even from this on occasion but wrestling yourself to get to church in the morning? Because it's so much nicer to lay in bed. It would be so much nicer to sit there and turn on the TV and, and just relax at home. But to wrestle to get here. And then when we're here, we zone out during the readings, during the liturgy, during the hymns, or during a sermon. Wake up! Just checking. We 
We have to fight, and we might liken it to something like a short attention span, but really? Come on. Do we really have all that short of attention spans? I mean, we zone out in here after 10-15 minutes, but then some of us are going to go home later and we're going to turn on the TV and sit in front of a football game for three hours and not miss a detail. Isn't it obvious that Satan is working overtime here? Anything to distract them. Anything to, to get their mind off of it. Anything to get them thinking about something else, to tempt him with this or that, or even with a simple rumbling stomach, so that he might get us to doubt, that he might get us to fear, to get us to, 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 to fight about something petty and dwell on it. Anything to keep them off the word. Anything to keep them off this word of life being shared and spoken and taught. Anything to keep them from the word of life and its author who promised to be with them to the end of the age. Anything to make them forget. Anything to make them minimalize it and its importance in their lives to cause them to question its authority. I see people in the congregation in that synagogue that day in Capernaum were probably people that were not all that different than you and me subject to the exact same temptations. And normally Satan, I'm sure, would be content to have them sit there zoning out as Rabbi Benjamin kept on sitting there and rambling on and on and on. And Satan would normally be alright with that. But now, this. This is different. Now Satan is being threatened. He's pushed into a corner and he lashes out like a wounded animal. Like a cornered, wounded beast. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Yeah, anything to distract, anything to cause doubt or worry. What does the demon call him? First of all, Jesus of Nazareth. What was Nazareth known as? A thriving metropolis? No. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? This guy's from Nazareth? Really? The demon says, you are the Holy One of God. We might think, well, doesn't that serve the demon's purpose? Or does that, How does that help? Well, if the demon is calling him out, does that mean that Jesus is in league with the demons? Does that mean that he's, 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 if the demon names him, is what this Jesus from Nazareth has been telling us any good? Anything to cause doubt. Anything to cause fear. Anything to question authority. Anything to disrupt. What does Jesus do? Be quiet, Jesus said. Nope, allow me to translate slightly more literally. Shut up. Jesus says, shut up, get out of him. And with a shriek, and with a shudder, that demon comes out of the man. And now anybody that was sitting in that room that was listening and that was hearing this stuff, they had to perk up their ears. They had to look the people were all so amazed, they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey Him. Like, 
Some others have tried to get demons out of that guy. They all failed. They obey Him. He's not with them. He drives them out. He sends them away. This miracle, like all of Jesus' miracles, testifies to who He was. He doesn't need the testimony of a demon. Jesus can silence that. He is God's Holy One. He'd show that on His own. And word of this spread quickly all throughout that region. And isn't it kind of amazing that that word has still spread all the way here? We're still talking about it. We're still sharing this account right here and right now. The Word of Christ and the authority and its power is not dimmed by time or distance. His authority prevails over all. Jesus still silences the whispers of Satan. When the devil would try to get us to doubt or a sinner is plagued with a guilty conscience, you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough. Look at you, you fool from Bemidji, Minnesota. You think that you could rightly stand in the, in the majesty, in the presence of the all-powerful power, Creator of the universe? Remember what you've said. Remember what you've done. Remember how you've behaved. Remember that little petty thing that you made such a big deal over and you caused that big divide and that big argument? What an idiot you are. You? You can stand in God's presence? Or words that we've said as a spouse or as a parent? Words that you've said because you knew that they would hurt. You're going to stand in the presence of a holy God. What does Jesus say? Shut up, devil. His word has no authority over you. His word has no authority over me. Anything. Anything that threatens the authority of the word. Be it a tradition be it my human logic, sense, and reason, my feelings, emotions, anything that threatens the authority of the Word, push it aside. God's Word and God's promises are not bent or do not hinge on our own human condition. They don't, they're, not, they're not bent by those things. They stand alone Christ has come. Christ was slain. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. His authority is unquestioned. The Bible is a string unbroken of God's promises made and kept. And any doubt or worry or fear that we have is silenced by the voice of Christ. Any feeling or pang of guilt our lifetime of sin an entire lifetime of sin is drowned in one needle pin drop of Jesus' blood. He calls you His own. He calls you forgiven. He says you are an heir with Him of eternal life. He says that death can't hold you any more than it held Him. And when we rely, when we come to church here on Sunday morning, it might be me reading the Word, 
whose word is it? It's not mine. It's His. I appeal to His authority. We have His authority. This teaching that, 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 is, that, that comes down through the ages, that's undimmed, it is the word of eternal life. It is our hope, and it is the ultimate of spiritual authority in all of our lives. Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday divine service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.